morning, everyone. Well, um, we would babysit for you, but we're not very good babysitters. Thomas and Mel are better babysitters than us. So, but if we do babysit, make sure you bring your car seat because you might go driving someplace. Um, well, will you turn to your neighbor and say, um, greet them with this phrase, either shalom or peace be with you. Well, today we're going to be talking about the word peace. So when you hear the, this word, what comes to your mind when you hear the word peace? Do you think of words like maybe war or love? How about hope? How many of you picture a dove or an olive branch? How about hippies? Any of you thought about hippies? What about the word equality or happiness or emptiness? How about respecting others? And even the word freedom. Well, the word peace can invoke so many emotions. Some people are optimistic about the word peace. And there's many people who are skeptical when it comes to the word peace. How many of you, when you hear the word peace, thought of this circle with a vertical line going down and then two diagonal um, lines streaming from the middle? What about when you heard the word peace, you pictured deuces? You know, the, the, when Japanese tourists come and take photographs, they're all like, deuces! Like, you know why they're called deuces, right? You've got two fingers. That's what the young kids are saying, I think, nowadays, maybe. I don't know if they're still using it. I know. Um, how many of you think of the word war? Or maybe some kind of inner turmoil that's brewing within you, and you want this peace. You see, for the Hebrew people, they had this word that we'll be focusing on today. And that word is shalom. So there's two words. In in Hebrew, it's shalom. And in Greek, they pronounce it erene. Well, shalom is the Hebrew word for peace, health, wholeness, and reconciliation. Paul, can you switch to the next slide? Yeah. Oh, not that one. Back, back. Sorry. <laughs> Messed up. Anyway, um, so shalom is harmony that God envisioned for the world. Shalom is how God intends things to be. Shalom means peace with yourself, peace with your neighbor, peace with God. And peace with the world around us. That's what shalom means. Shalom is more than the absence of warfare or hostility. It's not like, oh, okay, now we have a time of peace because we're not fighting. It's more than that. It's a state of positive, caring, safe, secure, loving friendship. 
Shalom is about restoration and restitutions and reconciliation. So when um, people might have, you know, their cattle wander into another, another person's field and ruin their crops. And in order to bring a restoration, they wouldn't just say sorry. They would go over and say, you know what, I'm, for the damage that my cattle has done, I will repay you for that damage to make things right. Because that was their livelihood, right? So in order to survive, they offered restoration and reconciliation. So basically, shalom is about making things right, helping out one another to make life better and complete. See, the idea is this, that life is complex. With all its moving parts, things can become easily misaligned, and plans may not work out, and situations may arise, and relationships get complicated. And sometimes in life, we just catch some cracks, we, and we all get all bust up. So shalom in our life and in the world can, can break down, and it needs to be restored. So it's this whole understanding of everything fitting together, working properly. God desires for us and this world to live in peace and in shalom and in harmony with one another. And what disrupts this whole notion of shalom? Basically, it's sin. Sin disrupts shalom. You know, when I was in the second grade, um, I grew up with, this, with a friend, and his name was Reed. Um, he wasn't one of the cool kids. He, was a, um, he wasn't athletic. He was a little awkward. Um, and I tried to be one of the cool kids, but I loved hanging out with Reed. Um, so on the weekends, I would go over and sleep over at his house. And it was fun. You know, um, he, he had, he's the only one that had this huge castle, castle called the Castle of Grayskull. And it was this huge toy. And um, it was with the He-Man toy series. And uh, I loved it. He was like the only one. And the castle was like this tall. You know, and you could play with your figures inside the castle and then throw them off. And it was really cool. But he was the only one that had it. And I would go over to his house and we'd play with it. But every time i go over, we you know, hang out, watch movies. Um, we were into wrestling, so we would watch WWF, WWE now. And he would always cheer for the bad guy. And I was like, why are you cheering for the bad guy? He's like, I love Darth Vader. Darth Vader is awesome. I'm like, what? How can you like Darth Vader? He's the worst. Um, he loved King Kong Bundy while I cheered for Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and I asked him one day, why do you like the bad guys? And he said this, because the bad guys, they're, they're like interesting. There's something about them that's intriguing. And the good guys, they're sometimes boring. You know, let's take a look at the picture that I showed you earlier. <laughs> In Star Wars, there's two characters, Boba Fett. Now, if you look at Boba Fett, he looks cool. He has, like, this awesome helmet. He has a jetpack with a rocket on it. He can fly through the air. Um, he has all these nicks and marks on his, on his 
you know, costume, whatever you want to call it. And it gives him character. It looks pretty cool. And then we have on the other side, C-3PO. He's shiny and golden and beautiful, but he's irritating and he's boring. And the only thing he can do is interpret what R2-D2 is saying. How great is that? But there's something about the bad guys, something about being bad. You know, you know, there's the reason why in high school, guys like dating the bad girl. Or girls like going after the bad guy. It's something, I mean, I think we get an adrenaline rush of doing something wrong and rebelling and, and not conforming. And I think that's what sin is about. It never works out well, though. People always get hurt. There's always broken relationships. See, many in our Christian circles today, we understand sin simply to be just disobeying or breaking a rule or violating a law. Yet disobedience destroys the prospects of peace with both God and with each other. Many churches today have placed an emphasis on the sin of an individual. But if you take sin and you place it in the context of the community and and the world, shalom and peace starts to make more sense because we start breaking down the peace within the world, within the people around us. And that's why there's so much chaos and destruction in this world. When we sin, we distort our humanity. Sin fragments, sin violates, sin corrupts, sin destroys. Sin destroys the fabric of what is good and what is constructive and life-giving that God has intended for us. You see, in Romans it states that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And every human being in this world may not admit that they sin. But I think every human being has to admit that we all have made decisions that are destructive, that are hurtful, that tears down, that is selfish. See, all of us here, we are all responsible and we contribute contribute in some manner to the disturbance of shalom that we experience all around us. We are all part of it. We contribute to it all the time. See, but this is our hope. Christ is the restorer of shalom. That's why Christ came. In his life, his death, and his resurrection, he came to restore the peace within us. Jesus came to heal the fractures within our own human experience. In Romans 5, 1, it reads this. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace, we have shalom, we have irene with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access. Oh, I'm going a little further than I need to. And in Ephesians 2, The scripture says this, for he is our peace, 
are shalom. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law and in, with his commandments and ordinances that we, he might create in himself a new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace. Christ is our peacemaker. Now, one reason why people are skeptical about the church is because many times the church has been the source of pain and persecution. If we look at our history of the Crusades and so much of our history, we have been the cause of so many pain. Yet, I thought the church was built as a vehicle to bring about shalom. Instead, instead of bringing healing and restoration, the church beat down people and fractured lives to those God has called us to love and to heal and to restore. We as the church are called to bring about shalom. Now there's this fable called The Frog and the Scorpion. I don't know if any of you heard it. Um, A friend told it to me earlier during a time when I was going through a lot of things. And it goes like this. Once upon a time, there was a frog. And one day, the frog was sitting by a riverbank when along came a scorpion. Hello, brother frog, said the scorpion. I wonder if you might be so kind to give me a ride across the river on your back. Frog knew that Scorpion couldn't swim. Uh-huh, I don't think it's a good idea, said Frog. You have a deadly sting. You might kill me. So Scorpion responds, but why would I do that? If I stung you, we would both die. Hmm, Frog thought. That makes a lot of sense. All right, scorpion, jump onto my back, and I'll give you a ride across the river. So the scorpion jumped on the frog's back, and the frog began to swim across the river. But halfway across, the scorpion took a deadly sting and struck the frog into his back. And as the poison filled the frog's body, his arms began to stiffen, and they both began to sink. He's like, why? And the scorpion goes, sorry, frog. It's just my nature. And the frog and the scorpion died. Have you ever given someone a second chance that has hurt you before? The reason I bring this up is because um, on Saturdays, once in a while, I'll go golfing with my good friend, Ross. And, um, you know, we we finished the first hole, and we had our small little chats going on. And as we headed toward the second hole, he asked me this profound question. Because he was going through something with a friend at work, and the friend apologized, but then seems to be doing the same thing over and over again that aggravates him and upsets him. And he asked me, hey, uh, Danny, do you think people change 
And I was stumped. I said, hmm, I don't know. I mean, I think it takes something to make people want to change. Like something has to happen that pushes people to want to change. But if, if they're comfortable where they are, I don't know. I don't know if they change. See, someone has told me this before, that we, on, we change only when you love something enough to want to change. Like, if you love God enough, you may want to change for the better. Some of you may know this. Maybe you love your spouse enough to want to change. You know, um, when we were first married, I used to go basketball. I used to play basketball a lot, like five times a week. And I was used to do that when I was single. But as soon as I got married, things changed, right? So I'd, I would go out and say, babe, tonight I'm going to play basketball. And then I went, and then I was like trying to keep up with my five times a week. And then my wife goes, you know what? I'm at home alone by myself all the time. And after I realized that I can't do the same thing I did when I was single, I realized that I needed to change. But it is only because I loved my wife that I wanted to change my routine, even though I was used to, to it. So loving someone may cause you to change. Loving your child may cause you to want to change. So the question for you today, today is this. How has love changed you? What happens to that someone who is loved by you? Has their life been impacted by you, by loving you? How about this? Have you ever loved someone that was dangerous to love? See, when you love someone, when you really love someone, you make yourself vulnerable to them. You open yourself up to them. You give them your heart. And when you give them your heart, that means that they have, that that you're trusting them to not crush your heart. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, is it safe to live in your kind of love that you give? Is it safe for a person to care about you? See, the beautiful thing is this. I mean, we can ask ourselves, do you wound the people you love? Or do you do the opposite? Do you make people better when they love you? There's an old saying that hurt people hurt people. People who are hurt tend to hurt others. Like the scorpion, if we are broken and we're wounded, we could actually break the
the people we love. We can actually hurt the ones we love. But the beautiful thing is this. The opposite is true. If we care enough to be healthy to love, we can make the people who love us better. Erwin McManus, pastor of Mosaic Church in Los Angeles, says this. The impact of your choices impacts the lives of those around you. So you might think, oh, when I sin, I'm not hurting anybody. But life is complicated. Everything is related. And you do hurt the people you want. People who commit suicide feel like they're only hurting themselves. But they hurt everyone that is connected to them. If your choice is to love alcohol or drugs, you impact the lives of those around you with your decisions. If your choice is to secretly buy a pair of Air Jordans and not tell your wife, like I sometimes do, (laughs) it has an impact because the truth will come out. My wife is like, when did you get those? I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I should have told you, but I had to buy them because it was like a limited edition and I only had like an hour to make a decision. I had to buy it, so I bought it. It's like, you got to tell me. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So. See, the impact of our choices impacts the lives of those around us. My prayer is this, that I don't want to be a toxic person. I've learned that when people who are only in love with themselves, those are the people that make the most destructive choices. It's in their nature. But when someone loves something more than themselves, it changes the way they choose for the better of those who are around them. It's in their nature. Mark 9.50 reads as this. It says, Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. You know, this past week was, um, i sorry, I recently had a birthday, and I turned 45. Um, and I didn't expect much, because birthdays aren't things that I celebrate as often as anymore, um, because it's no longer happy. <laughs> it's just birthday as I get older, because um, it's just reminding me of my mortality. So I remember waking up one morning and Michelle was like, well, you're 45, no pressure, right? So I went in having low expectation. I didn't expect much. And just to give you a little background, 40, my, at the age of 43, 44, I just had, it was a tough year for me because I had one person in my life that I cared for a lot. Um, 
at work who did something that made me feel like so rejected and just so unlovable. You know, it's amazing what one person that you care for can do to you. So I, um, that was just how I was going into things. So I had a low expectation so I wouldn't be disappointed throughout the day. And it was a busy and stressful day for me because we had our big boss coming in to observe us in the classroom. So it was, you know, I wasn't, I was a little stressed. I wasn't too worried about my birthday. Um, so the day before, I cleaned up my classroom. I got everything all set up. And I drove into work. And I didn't expect much. I was just like, if someone says happy birthday to me, I'd be cool, you know. So I opened the door. I get my keys out, I open the door, and as I swing the door open, I just see tons of balloons just lying on the floor. And as I looked up, there was just dreamers everywhere, just hanging from every single corner of the room. And I'm like, what? I just cleaned up the room. Like, what? what, what? <laughs> but this is amazing, you know? Like, I didn't expect this. So I walked out, I... I so I decided, okay, I'm going to open the door for the students to come in, and I'm just blown away at what just transpired, because like, I had very low expectations. And as I opened the door, these kids were waiting outside with their cameras and everything, and they're like, happy birthday, and they start pelting me with balloons and, and just cheering, and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like such a big deal today. So they all came in, my boss came and observed us, they had like writings on the board, happy birthday, all over, and I was like, my gosh, I, f- I feel like so special today, you know, and as they came in, they were like, happy birthday, and the room was still a mess, and balloons are still on the ground while people who are from the district coming to observe us. So they came in, and then went out to, recess bell rang, um, My co-workers were kind enough to buy cupcakes and give it to every single student, so they all sang happy birthday. And as I walked around campus, people were like, hey, happy birthday, happy birthday. And I'm like, how do you even know it's my birthday? Like, I don't even have you as a friend on Facebook. Like, what? How do you know? And that wasn't the end of the happy surprise. You know, my mom, who never buys birthday cakes... (laughs) for me, came with two birthday cakes. And I was like, wow. So we all had lunch together. My coworkers bought me lunch. Um, I even got a note from the office saying, you know, so-and-so needs to leave at 11.30. By the way, happy birthday. And I'm like, where is this coming from? See, on that day, and I'm not telling you this to brag, but on that day, I felt so loved and affirmed and validated where the year before I felt rejected and unlovable. It was like God gave me a special gift and says, hey, I want to restore your shalom. So in closing, I have this blessing for you. May you experience shalom in your life. May you be healed 
and restored in the fragmented areas in your life. May you be safe to love. And may your life make the people around you better. God bless you all.